episode of the Maritime Podcast, Sea Trade Maritime News Editor Marcus Hand discusses using LNG as a marine fuel with UECC CEO Glenn Edwardson. UECC is a pioneer in the use of LNG as marine fuel, with two LNG-powered car carriers in its fleet and three hybrid battery LNG car carrier new buildings on order. Marcus talks to Glenn about the decision to invest as LNG as fuel, UECC's experience in operating such vessels, and the future in terms of reducing emissions. UECC has been one of the pioneers in investing in LNG-powered tonnage. Just would like to sort of get a bit of an idea what drove the company to take the risk where a lot of other people are sitting and waiting and trying to decide what to do in terms of future fuels. Yeah, I like your introduction there, Marcus. Let me say taking the risk. We never saw it as a risk, to be quite honest. I think we were pretty confident that the LNG was the way forward at this point in time and made a decision. As mentioned several times before, we never thought LNG will be the ultimate fuel in the future. But at the point, and still is, is the most environmentally friendly fuel there is out there, marine fuel. So we said, see them wait, there's no option. If we're going to move ahead, we need to move now. We need to take action now. There's lots of talks about how we can reduce emissions, but hardly anybody does anything with it. And we said, it's time to action rather than talking. So that's where we are. I mean, we never looked at LNG as a risk. We were pretty confident that this will work. And it's the most environment-friendly fuel there is at this point in time. And it still is, at least sustainable. We know there's a lot of options out there as of today, but are they sustainable? That's the biggest question. Yeah, here we are. We went full ahead and we started with two PCTC vessels trading in the Baltic Sea. As you well know, it's um, very, very strict regulations in the Baltic. The overall goal was not to meet, but also even exceed regulations in place. Because we knew these restrictions will just be tougher and tougher moving forward. So we can't just build and meet something that are in place today. We need to exceed it. We need to look beyond. That was the biggest driver, really. You mentioned you had two vessels trading in the Baltic. Is that the existing fleet in terms of LNG powered at the moment? Or That's the existing fleet we have on LNG. We have two existing ships on LNG and we are building, as we speak, three more vessels. It's not only LNG, but also LNG hybrid solution vessels. We've taken it a step further. We introduced a battery in combination with the LNG. In terms of the two existing vessels, how have you found that transition in terms of operationally? Did you need special training for the crew and things like that? The LNG operation is not rocket science as such. It's fairly easy for people that are experienced seafarers and, and engineers. Of course, there are several things you need to learn, you need to know a bit more about. But again, it's not a long, you don't need to be in school for a year or two to learn this. This is an experience, good engineers. It's catching up fairly quickly. In our preparation, we obviously sent them to various courses. 
but not the entire crew, only those that are dealing with the LNG as such went to these courses. And uh, from there on, we had them to teach their crew. By that, I think we have uh, managed, we have very competent crew on board these vessels today. A couple of years experience, they gain a lot, as I'm sure you can appreciate. That's been fantastic. That's gone very smoothly. How about the infrastructure side? Because I think a question that a lot of people seem to have had with LNG is, well, I build an LNG ship, but where do I get the fuel from? So how has that side worked? Yeah, that's also been extremely good. That's probably one of the advantages we have to many others, because when we entered that idea about the LNG, we also was lucky that we had one of our owners had the idea of building a vessels LNG, bunker vessels, supplying the LNG for UCC, and also other vessels and companies, of course. So this whole started, okay, UCC will build vessels, and the parent company, NYK, one of the parent companies, is two of them, as you know. We have NYK and Emolenius lines. NYK builded LNG bunker vessels to support this. So it was with our commitment to build the vessels, they probably wouldn't build it at that time. Later on, I can't tell, but at least at that time, they wouldn't build the vessel. And likewise, we wouldn't build these vessels without having a firm commitment, not necessarily from them, but from at least from the market that you could be sure the infrastructure was there. It's certainly been a good journey. It was never really a problem for us as such, because we were lucky enough to have the infrastructure right there from the very beginning. We didn't have to run around and find that. Still, of course, a lot of planning and a lot of commitments. So you're sort of getting it lined up with your partners and everything else then? Yeah, very much so. The bunkering is now done ship to ship, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I wouldn't say now we are um, we are alternating. We are actually um, doing from ship to ship. We are doing it from ship to shore. I mean, I have a from shore side. We have supply by um, even by trucks. To tell you the truth, not that much. We are mainly doing it by the vessel coming alongside while we are doing the discharge or loading operation because that's the key. We, we cannot afford to do the discharge and loading operation at a different time than the, the bunkering. We need to do this in the most efficient way, and that's taking place simultaneously. So that's what we've been doing. So in many senses, very much like a traditional bunkering operation, just with a different fuel. Absolutely, I would say so. Okay, great. Good to hear it's all going well. Now, you touched on before the three new buildings you've ordered, which are LNG battery hybrids. Yeah. Could you perhaps explain a bit about why you've gone down that route of the battery hybrid as well? We want to continue on the LNG, but we already had two vessels on pure LNG. And we thought, well, pure LNG is probably not the right word either, because we can touch upon that later. But as you know, a dual fuel setup gives you several opportunities. But we wanted to take it a step further. We wanted to... um, see, hey, listen, there are more we can do to reduce the emission even further. And by introducing the battery, we are very much in a position where we can reduce the emission even further. These vessels are not meant to be running purely on battery alone, but they will um, play an important role taking some loads off and by then reduce the emission even further. We can, you know, peak shaving 
as is used for. We can run the, the batteries that's in port from full when you're in and out of port alone on the battery. And there are also certain other aspects that we can benefit from the battery. It's important to clear that these batteries are not meant to be running. The vessels are not meant to be running on these vessels alone. That's important. It's in combination with the LNG. So it's a backup more for some of the auxiliary functions and as you say, the peak. Some of the auxiliary functions, absolutely. And the peak shavings, you know, when we are sailing at sea. Those parts where you're running on the batteries, that part of the operation is actually zero emission then, is it? Well, it's true and not really true because uh, there will never be, as I said, when you, when you kick in with a battery. Well, of, obviously, in not a port and maneuvering on the trusses and, and, uh, and so forth, yes, there are absolutely nothing. But these are normally running combinations, so to speak. Now, you put this order in last year during what was a very challenging year during the pandemic. How was the process in terms of securing financing in the market last year? We signed this order before the pandemic kicked in, <laughs> but we still would have done it, I would say. Finances was already in place, so it was not an issue as such after the pandemic was a reality. This was all sorted out actually long before, I would say. It's not been affected since then? No, the finances is not affected by the pandemic. I think it's important to say that we have very good backing from over over banks, very loyal banks, and so forth. So we have a steady course all the way from the signing until now, and we'll expect to remain that way. I think this is something not only us, but also our stakeholders, the banks, believe in going forward. Hopefully this pandemic will go over very soon. So life armor for vessel, this is hopefully relatively short term, this pandemic we see. So it's not really reasons to stop this. I think this is bigger than the pandemic. We all have to do something with the emission decarbonization. And, you know, we know what the world are facing these days in those terms. Yeah, this is a much longer term thing, isn't it? That we, an issue That's we have to address. In terms of that financing, did green financing play a role in this? Or was it traditional sort of ship finance? No, green financing was part of it. We worked very closely with the banks. I think over terms and conditions can be seen as a green financing, really. Although maybe the name didn't clearly appear that this is a green financing. But afterwards, I think we all agree that this is green financing. Green financing was relatively new in many ways when we started up this. So again, that's where we really started to bring this into the findings as well. It's interesting to hear that there's that element in there as well. When we started off this interview, there's quite a conviction from yourselves that this was the route to go and something that you know you had to actually take action on in terms of the environment. Is there a push from your customers that they want to see their transport, their vehicles being more environmentally friendly as well? Maybe it's right to say to some extent, there is at least a desire that a push, it depends on how you take it, I would say, however you look at it, but definitely is a, is a big desire from our customers to be able to reduce the emission and finding a way to reduce the emission. They are well known with their cars, you know, how this works and what you can and what you can't. In that respect, yes, maybe it's correct to call it a push, 
but definitely a desire. Perhaps I'll put it another way. Um, it's something that's therefore viewed positively by your customers that you're doing this. Definitely, definitely. And that is one of our goals. First of all, there is everybody's responsibility today, but for us to be able to help them, to help them reduce the emission and in the logistics chain, it's, I would say, it's a great benefit. But of course, it's many of these new technologies and so forth, you know, has a price tag. We're trying the best we can to do this as competitively as, as possible. And I think we really are successful in this, which we're really proud of. Very proud of to be able to offer this product to our customers. I think you've justified the, to be proud of that as well. Do you see some of your competitors following in your wake in this? As far as we know, we are the only short sea company that are doing something different. Obviously, we don't know everything they do, but from what we can understand, we are the only one, at least with new builds. Because I think that's an important point. You don't have to do new builds to be able to reduce the emission as such. You can also do that with existing fleet. And we are doing that as well. Obviously, we can't have every ship on an LNG. And we can't build so many vessels all of a sudden. So we are also working on, on you know, of course, we are working on the new build. But at the same time, we are also working on existing fleet. How can we make them environmental friendly? I think that's a very important aspect. So that brings me to another question I had, which was, obviously, you've also been trialing biofuels as well. I think with the uh, good fuels. We're sort of wondering how that experience had gone, because that's obviously with some of the existing fleet, isn't it? But, you know, we are very eager to try everything. <laughs> it is what, nothing stops us, basically. And as such, we operated one vessel. We tried out last year. We operated one vessel on biofuel close to a year uh, with very positive technical feedback. Our customers have responded fantastically well to the initiative, invested in the project, reduced their emissions. Biofuels offer a great way to realize immediate emission reductions against conventional uh, marine fuels. There are questions on the scalability and availability, of course, I'm sure we are aware of. Suitable feedstock, you know, availability of suitable feedstock, but the marine industry is the perfect candidate to utilize these fuels. Our hope is that other European states or countries are following the example of the Netherlands, the Dutch, to assure that marine fuels are eligible for green certificates. Put it this way, we can't bunker these biofuels in other countries at this point in time, but the Dutch in Netherlands, as the Dutch government, are supporting this. Thereby, we can also offer our customers at a very competitive price for it and a fantastic achievement. And it's something you'd like to be able to expand to other countries if you've got the incentives. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're really um, looking around for. And not only looking, but trying to let them know, or trying to tell them also, this is the way to go forward. Because that's what I'm saying. There are a lot of, we know there are, are there. If you look at the roadmap from zero emission, I mean, there are possibilities out there. But it's just not sustainable. If we need to do this together, we need to work together on this. 
I think that working together is something you, you hear from a lot of people in the industry. It's the only way you can go forward with this. Just coming back to the LNG-powered vessels. Now, you said yourself before that you know, these, if you go forward to like 2050, IMO's ambitions, they don't meet those targets. What are you going to do going forwards once you get past 2030 and so forth? Or do you have a plan in terms of maybe using synthetic LNG or? That's one option. Well, first of all, I think it's fair to just uh, keep in mind that by building the vessel out and meeting the target in 2050, obviously we are well in the way as we are already meeting or exceeding the target in place now and meeting the target for 2030. When you think about it, economic life for a vessel is 25 years. We talk about taking delivery of this vessel at the end of this year. There's still another 30 years before that target kicks in. So even now we are contributing quite a lot by meeting the 2030 target 10 years before you're really there. That should be recognized, I think. When we get to 2030, yes, we may have to find ways to reduce this even further. But as you said, we're not sitting back and say we, we have what we have and, and that's it. We are looking for other ways to reduce emissions even further on a daily basis, to tell the truth. We have a highly dedicated team works with it headed by uh, over sustainability energy and sustainability manager and these people are working very hard on a daily basis i have to say back to your question synthetic lng which should further reduce co2 emissions yes we are and we are actively supporting a couple of projects as we speak which are performing a deep dive um, into the visibility of synthetic lng derived from green hydrogen as a fuel source in the marine industry. These are very exciting developments. And the beauty with the dual fuel LNG vessels is that they are already quick to handle alternative gas fuels, be it synthetic or bio. And I think that's what a lot of people don't, I would even go to the extent they don't understand it. I don't know what cause, as I said, with the dual fuel, it's not the LNG itself. It's all the options we have moving forward. As I said, bio or synthetic, we can burn this hyperfuels. That's very beauty with the dual fuel LNG. We're using LNG as the most environmental friendly marine fuel at this point. Maybe tomorrow there is another one comes along and the beauty is then we can use that. So we are not in and using one type of fuel for the next 30 years, 25 years. We can we can use many fuels. You're looking at all the options going forwards and exploring those. Yeah, absolutely. We are constantly looking for options that um, are better than what we have today, put it this way. If you look at other owners who are trying to decide should we order LNG-powered vessels or not, what would your advice be to another owner who was trying to take that decision? Yeah, quite frankly, I think if people are having a hard time and choosing that, I think it's an excuse to not do anything at all. And I don't think that's an option. If you want to be in this industry, you have to jump on now, otherwise it's too late. I would go for LNG from what we know today, or a dual fuel LNG, because of the reason I just mentioned. There is a lots of opportunity, much more opportunity, and most people think you are absolutely locked into LNG, and that's what we have. No, not at all. We're just taking advantage of the most environmentally friendly fuel there is today. And the beauty is also it's very competitive in price compared to MGO or in gas oil. 
for instance. So this a few years ago, they all said, ah, oh, this is so maybe some still say the LNG is such a big investment. Yes, it is a big investment. And therefore, we also need to get something back to pay off investment. But having said that, it's not necessarily more expensive than building a conventional vessel, which has to be equipped with the various equipment to meet the regulations in place when it comes to so, for instance, you need to have a scrubber to meet those regulations. You need to have a scrubber. Okay, you can burn MGO. And then you have NOx regulations coming into, which is entry into force. Then you need another scrubber. But it is why this is all including in the LNG. And so, if you have to buy each of these components to meet the regulations in place today, you're very easily ending up with the same price tag as with the LNG plant. But the LNG, in isolation to buy LNG today is very competitive. That's the beauty. Because that means it's, I think, the whole investment is sustainable. But the emissions, of course, is our number one priority. Obviously, we can't throw money after UID out there. But as long as it's sustainable, we will be there. I can assure you. I think that was an excellent summary of why people should go down the route of LNG and the broader benefits and the sustainability of that investment decision as well. Unless you've got anything else you'd like to add, I think we'll wrap up there. Going back a little bit to your, I want to underline when you said, what's your recommendation to those that are kind of trying to come up with or making a decision what they should do. I think it's fair to say that when you take this decision, you need to have your people with you. I think it's a good thing to sit down and study, look at the pros and cons, you know, let's get a good understanding for everybody. As we say in UCC, we do this together. It's not a, like a one-man show or one company out there that has to solve the problem with the emissions. I think you need to build a culture in your company. That's the only way to do this right. When you build a culture within your company, you have to make people proud you need to engage them and they need to be part of this decision and you need to believe in it believe in what you're doing is very important otherwise it's it's not going to work if you ask me and i think that belief that you have in what you're doing comes across very much we don't say it just because it sounds good we genuinely believe in it.